0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this flatlining podcast short. Today, we're taking a look at a claim made by Senator Bernie Sanders, and I'll have more on that in a minute. First, I did want to provide an update to an interview we conducted earlier this year. In May, we spoke to Dr. Dan Hurley, an otolaryngologist in Arizona who had been diagnosed with a rare form of cancer. Unfortunately, I received word this weekend that Dr. Hurley had lost his battle with cancer. I was very fortunate to have a conversation with Dr. Hurley about his experience and desire to help people as a doctor, while he also explained his frustrations with our health care system. It was a fruitful and unique perspective. When his obituary becomes available, we'll have it linked at our social media and on flatlining.net. Today on this short, Ron and I are discussing a recent claim made by Senator Bernie Sanders as we continue to try and bring honest, fruitful discussion to the healthcare debate. As we work to bring honesty into the healthcare debate, we're taking a look at some of the things that our Congress people are saying, and one of them is Senator Bernie Sanders, someone we've talked about on this program, and someone that we have respect for because he's consistent uh, in the things that he has campaigned for. He has not uh, moved with the will of the times, Uh, as it were. And he's actually been honest recently in saying that he knows Medicare for All is not coming soon because he says he doesn't even think he could get half of Democrats to support the bill in the Senate. Uh, One of the things that he said recently, though, is that tens of millions of Americans live in communities where they cannot find a doctor and others have to wait months to be seen. Uh, he also noted that this scenario not only leads to more human suffering but unnecessary deaths and wastes, as he says, tens of billions of dollars a year because people who could not access primary care ended up in emergency rooms and hospitals. Ron Howard, again, president and CEO of Fulcrum Strategies, is with me now to talk about that. And Ron, I guess the first question is: Is um, what sort of people is he talking about? What patients are these tens of millions of Americans that he's referring to?
1: Well, we, we can speak in generalities because like anything else, um, you know, we know some of the information about this. Um, is there a physician shortage? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Is it going to get worse? Yes, it is. Um, in primary care and in, in specialties. A lot of what Bernie's talking about, these tens of millions of people tend to be on average, and, and we know this from, you know, some of the studies that have been done, in more rural, underserved, poor areas, okay, which you know, as an economist, I sort of, that's one of those duh moments, you know, mm-hmm. in, in high income affluent areas, there's more of everything. There's more access to grocery stores, mm-hmm. to hospitals, to, you know, hairdressers, To because it's a smart business goes to where the customers are. As you get into some of the more rural parts of the country with lower socioeconomic um, environments, um, higher Medicare, Medicaid, populations, it's not as good a business opportunity to go there. So there are fewer physicians there, fewer primary care, fewer specialists, just like there are fewer of almost everything else. Many Mm -hmm. of those communities don't have access to a lot of other things that, you know, that people would have. It's just those other things aren't as important as healthcare and primary care. So yeah, he's right about this and that's what he's talking about.
0: Let's talk a little bit about that physician shortage for a second. You it mentioned it's happening in primary care. It's happening in specialty care. What do the numbers look like for that? How how bad off are we and, and how close are we on to the brink of having a real uh, catastrophe in this country?
1: Well, um, the numbers are pretty scary and and getting worse and worse because one of the things we know is it takes quite a while to train a doctor. You know, Mm -hmm. you don't do it overnight. This isn't a six-week course that you do online. Um, You know, depending on your specialty and subspecialization, it's, you know, 10 to 14 years worth of training. So if we're looking at the number of physicians who are going to be retiring in the next 10 years, their replacements better already be in training, and we know they aren't. And there's not enough of them. Mm-hmm. Now there's a lot of numbers that are floating around there about how much the shortage is going to be, and it. You also need to look at it from a specialty perspective because if I need a cardiologist, a pediatrician really doesn't help me. Right. Okay. So there are some specialties where it's going to be significantly bad, um, but we're talking about tens, if not hundreds of thousands of doctors short um, in some communities. In some specialties, that's going to be very acute. I think one of the one of the numbers I saw was a shortage of up to forty eight thousand primary care physicians by twenty thirty four. That's a pretty alarming number. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, we're we're you know we're going to face some really significant challenges about that in the future.
0: Going back to Senator Sanders' statement about the the tens of millions that don't have access to primary care, part of the Issue here, and this has been uh, studied by the uh, University of Michigan and some other out uh, organizations as well, is whether or not people want a relationship with their prim- with a primary care provider. Um, I know that th- there's constantly talking about men. Men in particular don't like going to the doctor. There's studies on that, that that demonstrate that men are less likely to go to the doctor if something goes wrong, but first let's talk about the value of having a regular primary care physician and why it's important to have a relationship like that.
1: No, and you're absolutely right. I mean, there's, there's one question is, well, could you go there if you wanted to? There's other question, do you even want to? And will mm-hmm. you, um, and those are hard to tease out, you know, how much of it is, yes, I could get into one. I'm just not going to, because I'm a man and I'm a bulletproof and I'm, you know, immortal, which right. we all feel like that until we reach a certain age and we realize we're not. Um, The value is this, um, having a relationship with a primary care physician, and it doesn't mean at age 25 you have to go every six months, um, but starting that relationship with that primary care physician can start to deal with things long before they become a problem. We know, and I'll pick a perfect example, we know the harmful effects of high cholesterol. Mm -hmm. We know what it leads to. We also know it's very easy to treat. There are some very inexpensive drugs, statins, that do a wonderful job. There's whole new categories of drugs that if you have serious problems can even do much more than that. So, But first you gotta know what your number is, and then you gotta be with a primary care physician who would write that medication, and who can, on a fairly regular basis, keep checking that result to find out if they need to change the medication, et cetera. Let, it, let alone things like educating you about diet and exercise and all those other things. You know if. Everybody with high cholesterol had a relationship with a primary care physician who could help them deal with that, which again is really relatively easy to deal with medi- um, medication-wise. We would see a massive decrease in cardiac events in this country, which would save huge amounts of money. Mm-hmm. Um, now, again, you can't blame all of our problem there on um, you know, a lack of access to primary care physicians because there's a huge part of the population more so men than women because a lot of ways we're not as smart as they are and I'll be the first to admit that. <laughs> um who aren't going to go and then we'll go to the local state fair and eat deep fried bacon. Yep. You know, so you know we we're doing this to ourselves to a large
0: degree. Well the deep fried bacon's a little uh, tame because I know the North Carolina state fair <laughs> in the past has had deep fried butter. Yes, and uh, yeah. that I think is the the king of all uh, uh deep fried food right there. Yes. Yep. Now talking about motivation um one of the things we talk about a lot is, is the cost of health care is the cost of getting primary care do you think a, a motivation for n- getting it or not getting it
1: setting aside the population and it's it's a relatively small percentage of this country right now that have no insurance mm-hmm. you know you know set those aside um largely primary care is not a cost problem right especially for the the people that have the least ability to pay for it medicaid yeah. You know, if you mm-hmm. if you qualify for Medicaid, primary care is is, is for the most part free. Okay. Um, I think some even with specialists, some Medicaid plans have like a three dollar copay. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is not a cost barrier problem. Um, so at the primary care level, if you if you have any form of insurance, government government or otherwise, really this isn't a cost issue. It's a either desire issue or an access issue.
0: Um, as Senator Sanders seemed to um, promote the idea that it's more of an access issue, we talked a little bit about the physician shortage. We talked about how geography in general makes um, certain things difficult. You know, it's, it's going to be harder to find a doctor in rural Kansas or in Appalachia than it is in, you know, the middle of New York City. Uh, just because there's fewer people living there, but but overall, when we think about what Senator Sanders is saying about tens of millions of people who who don't have access to primary care, who have to wait months, or who, as he says, waste billions of dollars going to the emergency room, how would you rate the the accuracy overall of of that statement? And do you think that his motivation for Medicare for All in that particular regard is is a, is it's a sound motive? Do you think it's a sound motivation? Um. So
1: I would rate the accuracy f- pretty high, yeah. um, and let me explain why. Now, um, I don't think that making the leap from this is a problem to we should do Medicare for all is a correct okay. one. I think he's got a logic problem yeah. there. But this is why. Let's imagine for a minute a slightly different environment. Okay, let's imagine an environment where... Uh, Medicare was not deflating over 20 years but inflating and you could make decent money seeing a Medicare patient. Let's imagine a scenario where there was a law that said hey if you're willing to practice primary care for five years in one of these designated rural areas we will wipe out your student loan debt. Mm -hmm. Now there are states that do that for teachers. Yeah. Um, we've got a a program and I agree with it, a program where, you know, the GI bill, if you serve your country, you Mm -hmm. can do, um, so it's not an unusual thing to incentivize somebody to do something we want as a society and then help them pay for it.
0: And even even Walmart Um, offers programs like that now. Right,
1: right. So imagine a scenario where somebody could go into medicine, accumulate what you do, which is a large amount of student debt and say, Hey, I can go practice in one of these rural areas for five years. Um, they'll wipe out that debt and I can actually make a decent living there because I'm going to get paid, it's a, it's a large Medicaid, Medicare population but you know what, I, I can actually make ends meet, I'm not going to be Jeff Bezos but it's it's a good gig
0: mm-hmm.
1: we wouldn't have this problem um, this problem would largely solve itself because the people who go into medicine want to care for the elderly and they want to care for the people who need them the most, the poor they just can't do it and still survive so I think Bernie's, Bernie's point is pretty accurate. I don't agree with his solution. I don't agree that Medicare for all solves it. I think it makes it even worse. But the solution is fairly easy. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem is that solution also comes with the need for a tax increase. Well, that's where we get problematic. With it, right. nobody wants to pay for it. We want the, you know, the goods. We just don't want to have to pay for it. So, well, long-winded way to say, I think he's pretty right on that, that. it's it's largely an access problem.
0: Well, what's funny is I think you inadvertently, uh, uh, very accurately described the '90s sitcom uh, Northern Exposure about the Columbia Medicine doctor right. that goes to live in Alaska because they paid for his. The state of Alaska paid for his uh, health care education. Uh, Ron, thanks for joining us on this Flatlining Podcast short. I appreciate it. Thank you. The Flatlining Podcast is a production of Flatlining.net and Fulcrum Strategies, copyright 2023, all rights reserved. Be sure to subscribe to the Flatlining Podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For Ron Huergen, I'm Matthew Hambly. Have a good week.